Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this gift, this gift of love that you've given to us. We pray that you would speak powerfully to us just as you have through the bread and the juice, that you would continue to communicate how passionately you love us, how deeply you love us, that there is nothing that could get between us and you. And so, Lord, we pray in this time that we would hear your voice continuing to speak that life into us, into our hearts, our minds, our souls, so that we can grow more and more in your likeness and we can be your hands and feet to the world around us. And Lord, lift up all of the prayers of those in need, those in pain, those in sickness, those who, who even have celebrated new life. Lord, we, we wrap your arms around them today and sustain them and support them. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said, amen. Please have a seat. Good morning. How are you doing? Are you guys enjoying Labor Day? Doing some barbecuing? You know, actually, next weekend's going to be a better weekend. Do you know who's coming to church next weekend? We didn't say anything about this. Cookie Monster. <laughs> Cookie Monster is actually coming to church next weekend. Six foot tall. I'm not kidding you. Six foot tall Cookie Monster is coming to Cookie Sunday next Sunday. So I'm just telling you this because I am an incorrigible evangelist. I want you to tell your neighborhood kids. I want you to tell everybody. All of your children are downstairs, if they are downstairs, are being told the Cookie Monster is coming next week. So they will probably hate you for the rest of your life if you don't bring them to church next week because they're going to miss Cookie Monster. So I'm just telling you that they must come to church next week because Cookie Monster is coming. Oh, but it's cookies, Cookie Sunday. We have See, that kid wants some cookies right there. He's channeling his inner Cookie Monster. I love it. We have this uh, thing that we've been working on called life in slow motion. Did anybody, bar so you barbecued, how many people were smoking the barbecue like they were uh, in a good way, like uh, the, the smoker, you know? Never mind. How many people were at the beach? How many people went to the beach? No one? What do you do for Labor Day? How many people are watching football for Labor Day? Anyone? How many people want to boo the people who are watching football? No, don't do that. Don't do that. There's a lot of different ways to celebrate Labor Day. Uh, the other day, my wife said, please tell the kids about Labor Day. And so I started to tell her about workers' rights. And she said, oh, I thought it was Memorial Day. Never mind. So, um, you know, <laughs> really, we don't really know the story, <laughs> the entire story behind it. But we celebrate. We celebrate um, Labor Day by um, not doing any work, which seems ironic to me. You know, you'd think a way to celebrate Labor Day would be to work extra hard, but I don't know. We've got the slow motion series. I went to the beach yesterday with my kids, uh, or two days ago, or maybe both, and uh, did slow motion videos of the kids running through the water. And I do think that there's something beautiful about just trying to capture those small moments that, that otherwise would just fly by us. And I don't know if you're one of those people that's going into the fall and you start to feel like, you know what, I got to ramp things up. I got to do pedal to the metal. We got to just make this year count. And Actually, maybe God is telling us the best way to make this year count the most is to slow down, is to just ease up a bit, to create a new pace in our life. And so we did this life in slow motion series. We're kind of concluding it today. And one of the big things that has happened through it is I've started to feel really stressed out. <laughs> like, and, and this is the question that has been rattling through my mind, maybe yours too, is are you living your life the right way? Are you living your life the right way? And now, I know that that sounds like a crazy idea when you're thinking about Sabbath and taking one day out of every seven days to rest, as God did. When God created the heavens and the earth, God showed for us God's power by resting. And then we learned also when the Israelites, last week, we learned that when they were in the wilderness and they had no food, God provided every single day 
bread for them to harvest off, just miraculous bread on the desert floor. And they would gather it, but on the seventh day, there wasn't any because God commanded them to rest. But I've also started to think, well, if we're supposed to break, take a break at one out of every seven days, that means seven and a half weeks out of every year, we're supposed to be experiencing this rest. That's a lot. That means one out of every seven years will be a whole year of rest if you add it all up. That means if you live a full life of 70 years, then that means 10 years of your life is spent experiencing Sabbath. I don't know about you, but I want to make my life count. I want to experience Sabbath the right way. Well, I've started to think about tips and practices. Should, should we play board games? Is that the right way to celebrate Sabbath? Should, should we, uh, how do we do this thing? And it's actually created a little bit of stress in my life. And so Jesus, in the scripture we're looking at today, addresses some people who have turned Sabbath from something to be really, you know, enjoyed and experienced to something that's really like a very big burden in their life. And so this is the scripture, and you'll find it in two places. Two of the places that you'll find it is in Matthew chapter 12 and in Mark chapter 2. This is how it starts. It says, at that time, Jesus went through the wheat fields on Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, so they were picking, of, picking heads of wheat and eating them. Now, this is such a cool image. This reminds me of like a 1980s Sting music video with him walking through the fields of barley. You know, this is like a very serene, beautiful scene. Jesus walking through like this incredible wheat field and his disciples, they didn't have, even if they were gluten intolerant, this worked for them because they were just picking the heads of wheat and rubbing it between their hands and popping them in their mouth. This is whole grain. Beautiful experience, right? So you have this unbelievably beautiful experience contrasted with what the disciples, or sorry, with what the Pharisees saw. This is what the Pharisees said. It says, when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, look, your disciples are breaking the Sabbath law. Now the Sabbath law was that you are not allowed to do work because you're supposed to be resting. Now, somehow they had thought that the disciples were breaking the Sabbath law of harvesting wheat. Now, I don't know how you ever think that just taking a few kernels of grain, rubbing them in your hands and popping them in your mouth is work. It's not like they were harvesting. It's not like they were working their tails off. They were, they were you know, threshing the wheat. They were, just, they were just enjoying themselves with Jesus on a Sabbath. But they had started to create this system of legalism and worry and weight upon the disciples criticizing them for this beautiful experience of walking through the fields with Jesus. And the scripture goes on to say these words. But Jesus said to them, haven't you read, which is kind of like, <laughs> that's tough. That's tough for the Pharisees, right? Like that's kind of a little bit of a jab to them. Haven't you read? Like, do you know how to read? That's kind of what he's saying. Haven't you read what David did, King David did, when he and those who were with him were hungry. Now, of course they did. That's the, one of the most famous stories in the Bible. It's when King David and his fellow soldiers were hungry. They go into the temple and they start eating the bread of presence. Jesus describes it this way. He went into God's house and broke the law by eating the bread of presence, which only priests were allowed to eat. Now, this is, this is the bread that was in the temple at the time. And it was there to remind them of the presence of God. And it was also there um, as a kind of reminder of what God had done. Every single day for 40 years, there was food that the Israelites would wake up and find. So I remember when I was a kid and I was in Salt Lake City, Utah. My dad was the pastor, so I was always like the least well-behaved kid in church. That's kind of how it goes. That's kind of horrible, though. My kids, no, best behaved, I should say. Um, and so, uh, so 
this, this story happened somewhere between the ages of 6 and 18. I didn't mature a lot during that time, so I can't remember where it landed. Um, so the story is that uh, communion had happened, and we didn't eat it off of loaves of bread like this. We had little cups. Do you know what I'm talking about? These little shot glasses that would go around the room, and then you would have little bread on the plate, and it was always Wonder Bread. You know, like it was always Wonder Bread cut into little squares. And I remember one time we changed from Wonder Bread to another bread, and there was like this, like, fight, like are, are we celebrating Sabbath in the right way? You know, can we do it with like crackers instead of... It shows that we haven't come a long way from Pharisees, right? That we like quibble about these little things at church, like what kind of bread we're going to eat. So anyway, I'm downstairs in the basement of the, of the church, and me and my friend, and we see it was after worship, and there were all of these like empty, no, they were full glasses of, of grape juice. I was like, are we going to get in trouble for this? But I'm hungry. And he says, I'm hungry too. And so we stood there for like 10 minutes and did shots of grape juice for like the whole entire thing till it was gone. And I, I felt so guilty for the longest time, like I'd done something really wrong, like, you know. And then I saw the ladies who were finishing up with the communion, they were just dumping it down the drain anyway. I was like, okay, that's all right. But it's interesting how the things can mount. Like we can kind of take things out of proportion and out of context. Like we start to distort what's meant to be a blessing. It's supposed to be joyful. And we start to turn it into something that's like not fun and not delicious and not taking a weight off of our shoulders, but actually creating a weight for us. And so that's what Jesus is speaking into. And these are the words that scripture says. It says, or haven't you read? Again, Jesus says, do you know how to read? I love this guy. <laughs> Who is this Jesus? He's cool. I want to hang out with him some more. So Jesus, you're amazing. So, or haven't you read in the law that on Sabbath, the priests in the temple treat the Sabbath as any other day and still, and are still innocent? Think about it. The priests, the people who are the pastoral staff, they work all day on Sabbath, right? And that's kind of like a conflict for me in my mind. I'm trying to think, wait, I... My, my, the day, this is the day of rest, but this is actually the day of the most amount of work. And there's people who serve in the church. There's people on the connection team. There's people who are teaching the children downstairs. And so we're going to get into this a little bit later, but Jesus says, hey, by the way, you're saying that they're not doing the right thing, but how is this whole thing going to work unless somebody's actually doing some work on the Sabbath? And Jesus goes on to say these words, but I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. What is he talking about? Jesus. He's saying something greater than the temple itself is here. If, and he says, if you had known what this means, I want mercy and not sacrifice. You wouldn't have condemned the innocent. The human one is Lord of the Sabbath. I love that contrast between Jesus walking through the grain fields with his disciples having a beautiful time of worship with Jesus. And then the Pharisees looking on with judgment and saying, you're not doing the right thing. I don't like how you're observing the Sabbath. There's contrasts like that in our life, aren't there? I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I felt like sometimes church was doing this thing to me. It wasn't freeing me, but felt like it was slowly getting more and more constrictive and taking the air out and suffocating me rather than making me feel more alive. And so there's so many ways in which we become repetitious of these patterns in our life and we become them in the lives of other people. We take things that God intended to be a blessing and we turn them into a burden for other people. We make life harder for other people, not easier as what God really intended the Sabbath to do. He wanted us to have a day of rest and freedom. And realize that we're not cogs in a system, that we're not 
we're not just to be swept away by life, but we actually can demonstrate God's power within life. Now listen to this great word that's in, not in Matthew, but it's written in the gospel of Mark. Same story. This is the on, one of the only lines that's not in Matthew. The Sabbath was created for humans. This is Jesus speaking. The Sabbath was created for humans. Humans weren't created for the Sabbath. Isn't that beautiful? Do you understand what that means? It means Sabbath was supposed to be a gift. It was supposed to be something to make you free and and hopeful and happy and not something that was meant to weigh you down. Now, years ago when I was in um, New York City living with a friend there, I decided to get up one Saturday morning and walk through the streets of New York, which is such a cool experience when you go through a big city like that and it's empty, just empty. And you're the only one walking down the street. I love it. Everyone's sleeping in, all the activities done, all the work is done. And so I was walking through the streets and intermittently, almost every building has this um, stairs that come up from the basement. Do you know what I'm talking about in those cities? And as I'm walking along the street, a man who's a Jewish um, He's, he's like Orthodox Jew, so he's wearing a black hat and he has the black clothes on. He comes up out of the basement and he stops me and he says, I need your help. He said, I want you to come into the basement with me. I was like... <laughs> I could just see the like unsolved mysteries, you know, like the... <laughs> what happened to this man who was walking along the street? So I, um, I, I was curious and he said, well, today is Sabbath. And the lights have gone off. And according to my tradition of observing Sabbath, I'm not allowed to turn the lights back on. The circuit breaker broke. And so I just need someone to come down into the basement and flip the switch. And I thought to myself, being naive and 20-something, I said, there's nothing wrong going into a basement with a stranger in New York City. <laughs> so I did it. So I, I followed him down into the basement and he walks down this pretty dark hallway. And I, I get in there and and I see the normal gray circuit breaker on the side of the wall, and he shows me where it is. He's allowed to open the door, apparently, but not flip the switch, right? So, so, <laughs> so, so he opens the door and shows me, and he goes, this is where it is. And I go, oh, that's easy. So I flip the switch, and all of a sudden, all the lights come on, and I'm surrounded by a room full of Jews who all go, yay! <laughs> Isn't that awesome? I love that story. And I remember walking up on the sidewalk later and thinking, Someday I'm going to tell a room full of people this story and they're going to love it. This is the day. It was like 20 years later. I don't think Jesus had a problem with how they were celebrating Sabbath, actually. Because what I found in that room was a room full of joy, room full of love, a room full of people who were having a great time. And when they ran into a problem, they saw it as an opportunity to evangelize and reach out to a person who knew nothing about their faith and draw him into this experience of love and joy. Instead, what I believe Jesus was speaking against is the constrictive experience that is called religion that tends to crowd out this thing called faith. Let's see, it's about kindness. It's about love. Jesus wants us to experience a life of love and wants us to be motivated and driven by love in this world. Listen to how this same scripture, same story. Jesus has just been chastised by the Pharisees. He told them, don't you know how to read twice? And then now we continue this story. It says, Jesus left that place and went into their synagogue. And a man with a withered hand was there. Now, wanting to bring charges against Jesus, the Pharisees asked, does the law allow a person to heal on the Sabbath? And Jesus replied, who among you has a sheep? 
that falls into a pit on the Sabbath and will not take hold of it and pull it out. How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? So the law allows a person to do what is good on the Sabbath. Jesus is actually using good Old Testament law to respond to the Pharisees. And then Jesus said to them, said to the man, stretch out your hand. And so he did, and it was made healthy, just like the other one. I love this image. We tend to overlook it sometimes. The, what happened was not a man with arthritis stretching out his hand and it working again. The scripture, what it intends for you to see and hear, the writer of scripture intends for you to imagine Jesus taking a hand that is withered, small, ceased growing a long time ago, and it goes from being a small withered piece into a full working hand. If you were going to create this for film, you would need some really good CGI. I don't know what CGI is, but I think it's graphics. But you would need some really, really, really high-tech stuff. It would be that moment where the whole audience would go, And what, are the, what does the scripture say? The scripture says that the Pharisees, they went out and they met and discussed and tried to find a way in order to d- destroy Jesus and to kill him. Now, I know where a lot of people are right now. They're think, thinking, is religion good or bad? You've heard that conversation before, right? See, religion isn't good or bad. Religion is just means a pattern. So I don't know who you are, but I mean, I I know who a lot of you are, but what I mean is you're all religious, every single one of you. You all practice a religion. I mean, not judgment or anything for those of you who don't, but most of us religiously brush our teeth at least once a day, right? You are religious. You engage in a pattern of life. And you start to interact with that pattern and you find out, hey, it's pretty good. And what do you tell your kids? You better be a part of this religion because it's going to make your teeth not fall out. Other people are religious, um, the religious with the way that they watch football. How many people, anybody know that person? Yeah? Other people are religious in different ways. But the idea is a religion is just a pattern in your life. What is your religion? But religion can become this kind of constrictive thing that suffocates out all of the life. It can take away all of the love. It can start to diminish life rather than make it bigger and better. And I think one of the things that we need to understand is that if we're going to follow Jesus, we cannot have a religion without the love. You'll notice that in each of these situations, Jesus is saying, hey, you know what? The disciples, they, the followers and the, the fellow soldiers of, of King David, they went into that place and they ate. Why? Because they should eat. Because that's the loving thing to do. And, and when the disciples were walking through the fields and they were threshing the grain, they ate. Because why? That's the loving thing to do, to give them food. Now, one of the things that I've struggled with, as I say, is am I living my life the right way with regard to this Sabbath thing? And I love that Jesus talks about the temple priests. Did you notice that line? In the scripture, he says these words. He says, what are the temple priests who work on the Sabbath? Uh, Let me find it, sorry. Haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple treat the Sabbath as any other day and are still innocent? 
I think there's a lot there because there are people who come here and they serve on Sunday, which is their Sabbath. They serve in the high school group. They serve as teachers downstairs. They serve in the connection team. They serve on the pastoral staff. And for those people, they must be thinking, is is this the right way to live life? But Jesus says, the Sabbath is about doing what is good. And, And how many people, if there was a sheep that fell into a pit, how many of you wouldn't stop to help that sheep get up out of the pit? And how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? See, these people who are on connection team, these people who are serving in children's ministries, you know what they've discovered? They've discovered that love is what the Sabbath is about. That to spend time rescuing people from the pit. Today, I loved meeting with the teachers before worship and telling them about the message. And we prayed about all of those little children like sheep coming into the, into the space and how some of them were probably in a pit moment in their life and they needed to be rescued out of that moment. That's what worship is about. That's what following Jesus is about. And a lot of times the constraints of all the best tips and practices of how to experience Sabbath, they tend to crowd out the very, pre- the very practice of following Jesus through the grain fields to the person in need. What Jesus is calling us to do is to go into those basements with the world. And we don't we don't actually have to be the, be the light because Jesus is the light. We just have to be the one who is willing to go up and do something as simple as flick the switch on the side of the wall and to do that for one another. And so Sabbath is this thing where ultimately if you want to experience the best life, what if at the end of your life, at the end of 70 years, you could say, I spent 10 years of my life pulling people up out of the darkness lifting up those sheep out of the pit, loving people, rescuing them, wrapping my arms around them. And ultimately, every single day that we live is a day of Sabbath with Jesus. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary. Lay your burdens on me, for my burdens are light and my yoke is easy. Amen? Let's stand and let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for speaking to our souls. We thank you so much that you have transformed what Sabbath is from this thing of constraint and constriction filled with rules and obligations and a weight that we can't even bear to a thing where we can truly come as we are into your presence. It's not about what we're wearing. It's not about what language language we talk. It's about being drawn into your presence so that we can be your hands and feet in the world. About walking alongside you. So God, we pray for every single person that's here today, that anyone who's in a pit, they would truly feel that this message would would lift them up out of that pit. We pray for anyone who's feeling constricted by a religion of their own manufacturing. We, We know, Lord, that you've never, ever designed or desired for us to live according to religion, but you've wanted us to be people who are first and foremost, guided by love that breaks all the patterns, that breaks all the systems of injustice, that helps us to be truly your people to the world. So God, we pray that this time would be a time that isn't just in one year and out the other, but it would reside in our souls. It would rest on our hearts. It would cause us to be more and more devoted to you every day. 
We thank you for the way in which you bless the children, the way in which you bless people, broken people who come up the path every single Sunday. Help us leave this place, Lord, with keen eyes and ears to make sure that we don't become the Pharisees of the story that we live, that we don't become those who judge others for not living according to our patterns and our religion, but that we focus our 100% soul, mind, strength, and heart on you, Jesus. And we follow you every step of the way. Thank you, Lord, that you straighten out our path. And we pray that you would surround us with your hands and feet because we are broken human beings that need your love so deep, deeply and so passionately. Give us your, your, your spirit and presence as we walk out of these doors and help us to be the people that live in slow motion, a contrast to a world that is so hurried and so, so much losing life because they're just flying through it. Oh Lord, help us to be your people made in your image, living according to your ways. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So these, these gifts were gifts for us to remind us of Jesus would never have anything come between us and his love. And so now that you've tasted this good food, that you've heard the good word of the Lord, now it's your turn to use your resources, your time, your talent as the offering comes in to use that in order to help pull people up out of the pit. You know, there's teams of people that meet here every week and they think, how can we be more resourceful? How can we be more clever? How can we be more dynamic about reaching the people who have fallen into the pit in this world? So when you engage in this ministry, may you truly feel a sense of rest and Sabbath and joy. May, may this Sabbath thing become something that, that becomes a mark on your life, a day of love, a day of doing good things. Amen?